Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by KeepKey, the easy, safe, and simple way to protect your Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and many other digital assets. There's no time like the present to protect yourself from hackers, malware, and viruses. Visit KeepKey.com to order your secure hardware wallet today and use the code HUMANIST10 for a limited time 10% discount. And before I begin today's episode, a quick life update. I'm currently writing a book, uh, which is exciting. It's about our exponential and fragile context and how crypto can help us smooth the transition through this digital revolution. Uh, So I'm not sure on the title yet, uh, but I'll be posting updates through Medium and on Twitter. Um, So check me out there and hoping to have it done by the end of this year. So I'll let you know also through the podcast when that happens. Uh, Cool. So let's get to today's episode. So today's episode is with Cheryl Yeo from Moving Forward and Wendy Shaddock from North Zone VC. And um, we talk mostly about Moving Forward, which is this awesome new movement to get venture capitalists to publish their anti-harassment policies. Um, and over a top, a hundred of the top VCs have done so. And this is one of these episodes where we cover a lot of ground and we do it in a way, like I don't I don't have that many episodes that are about um, diversity and inclusion and things of that variety. Um, and But actually, I love this stuff. Um, so I could talk about this all day. Um, uh, but I'll say kind of four big takeaways or big things that are on my mind after um, doing this episode and re-listening to it. So the first is when you listen to us, uh, you could think of Cheryl, Wendy, and I as being kind of diversity-needed advocates, Um, but that's not actually what we're trying to do, I don't think. Um, What we're really trying to do is just say, hey, first, be intentional and be deliberate about about your life. Um, Have self-awareness, do some retrospection, Um, and this isn't just about, you know, identity and power and diversity, but rather this is about life in general. Um, So once you start to live intentionally, then you can start exploring all these juicy details um, to make the unconscious conscious, to kind of um, bring up those things that you hadn't thought about earlier. So although it may sound like we're being like diversity, 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 what we're really just saying is live intentionally. And then stuff like diversity kind of comes about after you start thinking about that. And the second thing that's very aligned with this is that we're not trying to be diversity maximalists here, um, but instead we're just trying to, for example, at the end, Cheryl talks about these negative self-fulfilling prophecies that can come about when um, people are thinking about identity and diversity. Um, And so we're not trying to push the maximalism. Instead, what we're trying to do is just say, hey, we want to have a relationship with um, identity and power. And what we're trying to do is to get texture, to explore, um, and to kind of explore this, these, these dialectics and these, um, these ideas and these interesting things around identity and power. So this is all to say, we're not trying to be diversity maximalists, but we're just trying to um, live intentionally and explore some of these relationships around identity and power. Um, so that's the first big point. The second point is, it's interesting to hear Wendy and Cheryl's optimism for crypto. Um, 
from kind of a values and culture perspective, and I mostly agree. Um, Wendy's optimistic because she thinks there's this great uh, culture of critiquing and free speech within the community, and it makes sense because it's kind of libertarian leaning and what have you, um, very open to debate, and uh, this is awesome because when you play long-term iterated games that have people being open and, and vulnerable with each other, then uh, that kind of vectors positively. So that's why Wendy is um, excited about the culture within crypto, and then Cheryl's op- and then Cheryl's optimistic um, because she sees these underlying values in crypto as being aligned with um, other good values of things that are happening in the world. So you know, crypto believes in decentralization and transparency and inclusion, and those are also the same things that are driving um, various social justice movements around the world. So that's why Cheryl's optimistic. Uh, and then the third point here um, is. It's kind of funny thing around me trying to be an ally um, and, you know, trying to actively decentralize power away from myself and towards historically disadvantaged groups. And this is really hard. And so we talk about this a bit. And it's it's weird because as you do this, um, and if you're a male out there or a white person out there listening, then you'll know what I'm talking about, where you're trying to to be good. Um, and you're trying to join or help out with these diversity movements. Um, but what will happen is you might actively be rejected from things because you're an American white male. And this could be um, actually being denied from something like speaking at an event or joining an event. It can also be denied um, from joining some like exclusive groups, whether it's the Slack groups, Telegram groups, whatever. Um, and initially being kind of uh, actively and ex- you know denied in an exclusive manner can feel kind of uncomfortable and you can get kind of annoyed or angry but i think in those times it's great to remember that that's the goal (laughs) um the goal is to is to decentralize power away from traditionally um powerful groups uh like yourself and so um them saying no to you is actually what you want um and the other thing is beyond that being the goal it's when you think about it's like when i'm clearly being excluded because of my identity being a rich white american male or whatever um that's one thing but that is just a different kind of exclusion but still exclusion when you have someone like um ellen pow in her book reset and this is true for lots of women who are operating in business ellen pow and reset she talks about essentially this death by a thousand cuts thing where it's just day in day out um this barrage of constant discrimination and it's they're just two different things um and so you know for me i was from the start told as a rich white american male hey look you deserve power go get it we'll give it to you and then now as kind of stuff is changing i'm trying to decentralize power away from myself and people are trying to decentralize power away from me and i'm being actively excluded from things um and that's different than being told from the start no you don't deserve power um and having this death by a thousand cuts thing so this is all to say um if you're trying to be an ally um a, congrats for trying to be intentional, for trying to have a relationship with identity and power, and B, um, it's gonna, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, um, and, but you got to kind of hope you get said no to, and also be aware that uh, that that explicit um, sign of power decentralization is different than the death by a thousand cuts version that um, other groups feel. Okay, so then the final piece here is that um, if you're a crypto hedge fund manager or you're someone in the crypto VC world and listening to this, um, you should definitely look into moving forward. (laughs) And uh, not only is it kind of intuitively the right thing to do, but it's also highly aligned with the values of crypto. It uses some of these awesome new power dynamics like um, meme spreading hashtags 
hashtag spreading and also open source stuff um, that crypto also uses. And then also a bunch of the top venture capitalists have done it. So these are including some of the crypto VCs like A16Z, uh, USV, Sequoia, Scalar Capital, etc. So um, yeah, if you're a crypto hedge fund manager or VC listening to this, check out venturemovingforward.org um, and give it a shot. Cool. Okay, so with that, I will stop nerding about about stop nerding out about diversity and identity, and uh, I'll let you listen to myself and Wendy and Cheryl chat about um, diversity in tech and venture capital and crypto. Enjoy. Everyone, my name is Reese Lundmark, and you're listening to another episode of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future. And in this podcast, we take a systems-thinking approach to doing good in the world, and we have a couple different series that focus on different system scopes. And today, we're focusing on two of those series, both Series A, Macro Systems, where we ask the question, where are we as humanity headed? And also Series B, Human Systems, where we ask the question, how do humans work? Um, so today, I'm actually very excited by this episode, and I'm very happy to introduce two folks to the show. The first is Cheryl Yeo, and the second is Wendy Xiao Shattuck. Um, and Cheryl is an entrepreneur and the co-founder of Moving Forward, an initiative in the venture capital community to foster in a diverse, inclusive, and harassment-free workplace. And then Wendy is an investment manager at North Zone VC, which is a VC firm with 22 years of experience investing in Europe and the U.S., and Wendy currently specializes in crypto at that fund. Um, and so Cheryl and Wendy, thanks so much for being on the show and welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Reese, for having us. Woo! <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so um, moving forward is something, uh, I can't kind of give a brief outline there, but it's this, uh, this new brand of this cool new tech um, diversity initiatives that are coming out. Um, and it's it's not just moving forward, but it's hashtag moving forward. <laughs> yeah. um, and so Cheryl- Not to be confused with Uber's moving forward campaign. <laughs> oh, okay. Good thing. Good differentiation. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess, uh, Cheryl, could you give kind of a high level overview on what what moving forward is and how it addresses diversity within tech? Yeah, sure. Moving forward um, was, was really an, an advocacy uh, project or initiative that was started to really hold VCs accountable um, post Me Too stories last year uh, for what they're doing about uh, trying to prevent you know sexual harassment or discrimination from, from happening at the firms or outside the firms. So it really is an open source repository um, uh, from all the biggest VCs, um, starting from the U.S. and hopefully globally, to post all their um, um, harassment and anti-harassment and anti-discrimination policies, um, and also to um, establish a reporting line for reporting these incidences. Because um, you know we we just uh, we've learned that you know through the moving forward project that. Uh, a lot of the VCs, maybe as many as 80% of them, just didn't have it before. Um, and, uh, you know, if, and we always say, like, if 2017 was a year of, uh, you know, like, listening to all these mm-hmm. Me Too stories and processing um, and even, like, you know, shock and surprise, then we want 2018 to be a year of action, uh, accountability, accountability as well as transparency. So we started moving forward as a way to publish uh, policies that would affect entrepreneurs pitching the firm, um, mostly because the relationship between an entrepreneur and um, a VC is tricky. It's it's not governed by any legal policy uh, because it only covers employees. But you know, 
VCs need to meet entrepreneurs a, a couple of times, sometimes socially, to learn about them and kind of um, learn more about the company. And that's where you know these these um, situations arise where uh, there, there may be inappropriate conduct. Uh, so that's that's kind of where we we come in and try to like uh, change the conversation going forward to uh, you know address potential issues in, in this environment. Cool. Yeah. So there's there's a lot to unpack there. I think that I mean the first thing, a couple things come to my mind. The first is um, you say it's like in this post Me Too world, and I think it's it's interesting. Me Too has been such a powerful meme, you know, mm-hmm. and it just and it's got the hashtag and it exploded both on my Twitter and on my Facebook and across all the different social media channels. Uh, it's also cool that it's an open source um, policy, so you guys have. Uh, it's like a open table or whatever, and you can just go um, on your website and you can just upload. If I'm a venture capital firm, I can upload my own um, policies or you know what have you, and then uh, they just get pushed into that system. So I think right. it's kind of you're using these new power dynamics um, in this new world, which I think is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, yeah, so I just, so that's sweet. I'd like to transition now to Wendy actually, um, and. Because with Cheryl, we were talking about kind of the macro perspective, diversity in tech. Uh, and Wendy, you have experience as a female crypto venture capitalist. Um, and so you're at the intersection of lots of different diversity conversations. So could you kind of tell us a little bit more about what your experience has been being a women uh, crypto venture capitalist? Well, first, I have to say, I think I am probably one of like, you know, 10 women <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but there's there is a very small percentage of women in sort of this intersection of tech in general. But you know the ones that are here are super amazing, and and they're really really inspirational people um, that that I've had sort of the chance to be able to interact with. And and I think you know <clears throat> this space is really kind of um, progressing from from a very idealistic perspective in, in that, you know, a lot of it is about reinventing societal and economic structures from, from scratch. And I think the idea um, of, of bringing forth diversity from the very beginning as, as these things are being built from the bottoms up is, is a really, really important one. Um, and then I think the best founders that I've, I've talked to in this space really, really, prioritize that also because they they understand that you know crypto is a multidisciplinary um sector where we really need the perspectives of people in uh sociology and and economics and behavioral economics and psychology um and and a lot of those people you know are women and they're they're also you know they're they're people that might not traditionally be thought of um, as, as being involved in the tech sector. And so having these more sort of human and, and macro perspectives, I think, you know, most good founders realize that that's important to both have on their cap table, as well as in their community, as well as on their early teams. Um, and, and then another data point that I that I just kind of re- recently realized is that um, all of a sudden, I'm noticing that gradually more and more my daily interactions um, have been with women. And then it's not really been on purpose. And the other day, I actually noticed that, you know, more than three quarters of my meeting that day 
my meetings that day were with women and, and it felt, you know, kind of cool because I didn't really, you know, program my schedule to be that way. And I didn't select on purpose to be only interacting with women. And I'm sure vice versa, these entrepreneurs and other investors weren't sort of selecting on purpose to interact with me, but it kind of, you know, you sort of gravitate towards people that are like you and that, you know, you can relate to. And then these sort of micro forces are what result in these sort of ma- macro um, impact. Um, and, and so I can see how the forces work the other way when, when you know, the industry is 90% men and, and they sort of tend to pull more men in. And so I'm very excited by the fact that at least within crypto, we are trying to take a very active position of bringing in diverse perspectives into the ecosystem. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think that there's, I mean, there's a lot there. A, you're hitting on both this this interesting tension that a lot of the women in crypto talk about, which is that A, from a pure percentage perspective, there are less women than there are men, and it's like 90-10 or however you want to, um, different stats say different, or different um, studies have different percentages there. And at the same time, there are also lots of women in crypto because there are so many people who are in on it. And so it's like um, there's both, you know, venture capital folks and you had a meeting with, you know, three or a day full of meetings with women in crypto. Um, And so there's this funny tension where it's like we want to both talk about how we want to get more women into crypto. And there's already a bunch of women in crypto who exist. Um, So I think that's interesting. I think that you talked about this, like you hinted a little bit about um, unconscious bias, which I think is a crucial concept to get people more aware of, which is like they go through their daily life and they're not really aware of, oh, I'm actively biasing um, towards people that look like me or that I've seen media images of. Like, you look like Mark Zuckerberg, therefore I'm going to like be more interested in you or whatever. Um, and I think what you talked about was kind of maybe the opposite of that, where you don't think it was necessarily this, but like in your day, you're like, oh, I interacted with three quarters women in crypto. How much was that unconscious bias? How much was that not? I don't think there's a right answer there, but I think as long as you're asking the question, that seems good. Um, And then the final piece I was going to say actually was that the macro, micro to macro, I think is a huge thing where you, everybody can start making these micro adjustments and then we can have this much bigger macro impact. Um, So those are my three takeaways. Cheryl, did you have any response? I mean, a a couple of things that resonate with me, Wendy as well. Like, uh, I mean, going by the last statement about micro to uh, macro, I think it, as long as we, um, you know, as founders and VCs, um, we self-aware and and like Wendy, um, always ask ourselves: Is did I come, you know, about this decision based on some sort of unconscious bias and uh, analyze that to then kind of like determine: Oh, is, is this a good decision or not? It's a really good step. And uh, it's interesting that you know, uh, three quarters of the women you talked to that day were women. And I, you know, I actually think that you know, in crypto, and I'm new to the crypto space um as well that uh, you know i've heard that one conference had like a like um 96 male speaker and four percent female speakers which is kind of representation of the ratio in the industry um it it people it is very tough when you don't find people at a conference um speaker or or um, audience that look like you and You, and that you can relate to, as you mentioned, um, and then there, there, there is this sense of fear that oh, you know, I'm not qualified, especially when women, you know, think that way. Like I'm, and like they, they always tend to ask themselves, are, are they qualified enough to be in this space? Whereas, you know, like you look around this room and you see a bunch of men that don't know anything, yes, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> well, you know. It's interesting because I think a lot of women in crypto feel probably that they are more qualified 
<laughs> than 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 some others. But it, it feels like you know it, it's again these subconscious biases. I think you know there's a really great book I, I recommend to everyone called Thinking Fast and Slow that that gets really you know to the to the details of how this all works and, and your systems of thinking, how they lead to decisions that you didn't know that you made. Um, but I, I think like our entire world functions on subconscious biases and, and so many decisions are arbitrarily made because of them. And, and it's, it's really kind of the frustration is, is when you see um, men being pulled up by each other to the top due to these kind of, you know, structural, you know, um, structural biases that, that already exist where you feel like you have sort of the ability um to, to also do that on, on a pure objective perspective. Um, I mean, the, the women that I meet in crypto are, they're just fantastic. They're, you know, they're really, really, really bright and, and powerful and, 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 um, you know, smart, um, women. The women that you, um, have talked to that you mentioned are super amazing and brilliant are the ones that are self-filtering themselves out to the 4% female in crypto i think the problem is changing that ratio to be higher right yeah, and, and right that's, right that's that's where all the like i guess like the com- the confidence of um the the majority of women who aren't confident in coming into crypto probably feels is you know they they don't have that knowledge to even get into it i think that's where probably more um like more events more initiatives um have to you know occur to to change that yeah. yeah, and I think that, that this is a, I think it's a like an imposter syndrome kind of thing where it's like, oh, look at all these other people in the room. Do I belong here? Am I an imposter? And then as you'll re- recognize very quickly, it's a new space and there's so much to learn. And so every, and this is Linda Shia uh, who runs Scalar Capital. She does these one-on-one meetings with women um, yeah. where she just did a bunch of one-on-one meetings with them. And she said one of the first takeaways was a bunch of women were in there like, Oh, I'm not sure if I'm really an expert enough, or like, what can I do? And she was like, "Look, no one, like, no one's an expert. yeah, no one's an expert, yeah. and like, the dudes have been have been institutionalized and socialized to be assertive yeah. and to be confident and to be those things, but actually, yeah. behind the scenes, no one knows what's happening." Um, yeah. So I, think- I mean, I mean, the whole sector has been around for what less than really like you know five years, <laughs> um, and and so. You know, I always say it's probably best to look for people who are thoughtful instead of those who claim to be experts. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. I agree. I like that. Um, so kind of transitioning a bit here to like the culture more generally within crypto. Sometimes I get sad when um, the crypto culture, like for me, I think that there's, um, I mean, there's some, there's. The, the crypto culture that I get the most sad by is the like the greedy side of crypto culture where you have a party during you know consensus blockchain week where you know it's on a yacht and on that yacht they auctioned off two three hundred thousand dollar Aston Martins just to people in the audience that's like what are you guys doing <laughs> you know, like what is happening here um there's that side of things and so I guess so for me I think there's some of this culture and crypto where I get worried about the kind of the greed side of things and then also just like the boys club side of things. So um, I know Cheryl, you just got re- recently got into crypto and Wendy, you've been deeper in it for longer. What do you think about the, you know, the, the thoughts on the culture within crypto these days? And maybe if there's any kind of loop between the boys club and like the greed side of things. Wendy, what are your thoughts? Yep. So um, I think, you know, it's 
some of it might be somewhat gendered, but for the most part, I do think it is kind of a symptom of a market, um, <laughs> of a market phase and, and hopefully a short-term symptom. I think the fact that we can sort of openly critique these things and we're self-aware enough to openly critique them makes me, you know, overall still optimistic. I don't think it's the majority of people in crypto that, that think this is the way we should and, and we should spend capital. Um, but but I think what what sometimes irks me a bit more is that there is a bit of this like in versus out group, early adopter versus like, you know, late adopter um, mentality that is a little bit barring to kind of outsiders who, who are curious and want to adopt and are interested in learning more. So like we use a lot of jargon and we use a lot of jargon without simplifying it or making it understandable for the average um, the average person, man or woman, um, and we use terms like no coiner. I think that's kind of the behavior that I really would like to see less of because I, I think it actually impedes adoption of the mass market by creating this kind of like, you know, like exclusive click kind of feel that that's kind of the opposite of what crypto is about. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that that might be somewhat related to, to the to the Aston Martin <laughs> um, school of thought. But I, I think that, you know, the greed is it's it's kind of a natural part of human nature, but the way that it's sort of being manifested now feels a little bit temporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're at a at a unique place in time um hopefully like hopefully there won't be 10 austin martins uh, auctioned next year you know <laughs> this hopefully was yeah. a blip yeah. yeah but it also as you think about um like um i guess in cryptocurrency the, the values within it right like are uh what like transparency and inclusion and all that and and yet the behaviors that sometimes exist uh that are exhibited by the founders aren't uh quite you know like the the same i mean what they're building technology maybe reflects that but maybe they're not in, actually including um you know, employees that are more diverse, not just from a gender perspective. Um, and I also wanted to highlight that moving forward isn't just a, about a gender thing. Yeah, it, it really is about a diverse um, group uh, addressing issues within that and uh, biases that may happen, discrimination that could happen um, to a group of diverse people, underrepresented um, my, my minorities as well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, like I guess if you're like building a new structure for the the new world, so to speak, um, but you know, fifty percent of of uh, the population are women. How can you like ninety six percent men built for you know fifty percent uh, um, female male population, right? Mm-hmm. So you you have to uh, be inclusive to build a good product to begin with, and uh, you need to be transparent about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there are there's. I mean, on that final point, there's times where people made products. I think the best example is when someone made like an airbag and there was a bunch of like dudes making an airbag and they made it for like a six foot tall person and then the airbag didn't work for like mm-hmm. people that were like five four or whatever and they had to change it so like i think yeah making sure your company internal company aligns with the external like community users is key exactly. um i also yeah. i want to reemphasize yeah your point about the gender encrypt or the it's that 
moving forward is not just about gender. It's about all, it's about intersectionality. You know, it's about, it's about all the different kinds of um, types of people that exist in the world and trying to bring diverse folks to the front. Um, I think that for me within crypto, the reason why I come back to gender and crypto specifically is because crypto has a funny, it's like very worldly, it's very global by nature. And so it has perhaps less of some of the other kinds of, traditional um it still almost certainly has class-based and you know ethnic or race-based discrimination but it has some of it has a good global take i guess um and that gets to your final point there about the values which are i think that that is and i guess back to wendy's optimism where it's like i am optimistic because the there are a lot of people in crypto and blockchain that want to do good and the values that they have that are baked into them are things like transparency and inclusion and some like decentralization of power. And it's like the moment you yeah. take those things and then put, push them onto yourself, you're like, Oh great. I should change the way I act. So yeah. I am also optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're still fighting this, this problem in tech, right? In general. And I think I recently read this research that shows that uh, women, although women get less investment um, uh, in terms of VC funding, they make on average more revenue. I think yeah. it's something like um, every, for every dollar, invested uh women make 78 cents and men make 80 uh sorry uh, 31 cents Mm -hmm. so i think women make double the revenue men make uh of the funded ones um so i mean if if (laughs) if to your earlier point if greed and profit is the main driver for a lot of early uh adopters in in crypto then um as with tech maybe the positioning to invite more um more of a diverse uh, or balance um, participation is to appeal to that in terms of to report numbers in terms of profit. Like the more diverse your team is, the more profit you'll make. Mm-hmm. So it's just to mm-hmm. simply put it like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would agree that that sort of greed and, and profit is the driver of the early adopter movement. I think it is like a it is an important driver, but I think there was a ton of sort of idealism and passion around this idea of decentralization as well. Um, which which I think lends itself even better. Um, but but totally, I think economic like empowerment and and um, financial sort of balance between the genders and sort of different classes of diversity for the first time can be uniquely enabled by something like this that is sort of so bootstrapped from from you know the ground up. But um, and and just to touch your, on your earlier point about um, hiring in, in in crypto projects, I think we. we briefly glazed over this i'm noticing projects that are saying like our next hire has to be a woman and and it's so different um i i think so different to sort of be paying lip service to the the checkbox of we interview 10 women therefore we're done um to like we have to hire a woman as our next you know head of growth or head of whatever um, and, and that's that's a very different mentality. And I think that's one that is uniquely also enabled by crypto because so many of these projects are being built from the ground up now. But of course, like you know, the talent pipeline um, in, in multidisciplinary um, in, in roles, it is really, really still very thin and, and it's very thin for, for women in particular. And so I would encourage more women to just start, you know, learning and, and reading white papers if they're interested and, and meeting these teams because, you know, there's a lot of demand. Yes, there's, I agree with that. And you can, there's a lot of demand if you want both at the work level and also at like the, if you want to go to conferences and be a speaker, there's like a lot of, 
Um, yeah, I agree that there's a lot of demand. And I want to wrap Duolingo had a great... Because as we talk about here, it's like there's a whole ecosystem of things. There's a whole funnel of like how to get more women into various ecosystems. And Duolingo has, um, of their hires in the last, I think, couple years, they've had um, either 50-50 or more female engineers than male engineers. And they did it through um, essentially changing the top of their pipeline where they looked and they said, okay, which schools have the highest percentage of female computer science graduates? Great. We're going to start recruiting at those schools rather than some of these other schools. And so they essentially just did a, an analysis of their funnel, you know, and said, oh, where should we go? Oh, great. This makes sense. And then they did it. And then they found great people and we're happy. Yeah. Cryptocurrency is vibrant and exciting, but it's not without its share of bad actors. Exchanges and personal accounts can get hacked, computers can be infected with malware. Left unprotected, your digital wealth is up for grabs. Don't let yourself be a victim. Keepy is the safest and simplest way to protect your Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and other tokenized assets. This hardware wallet is a separate device that you control. Brought to you by the pioneering team at Shapeshift, KeepKey works with the wallet software on your computer to manage your private keys and transactions. Your device is pin protected, which provides protection if it falls into the wrong hands. Its large display lets you carefully view and approve every transaction. And if your KeepKey is ever lost or stolen, you can safely recover your device without compromising its private keys. The bottom line, you'll sleep easier knowing that your digital wealth is safe and secure. Visit KeepKey.com to order yours today and use the code HUMANIST10 for a limited time 10% discount. Um, so something that I'd like to ask is maybe to play a little bit, to kind of transition here and play a little bit of devil's, not necessarily devil's advocate, but um, kind of expand. I feel like right now it's we got three people who are pro-diversity um, within crypto and within tech in general. Um what do you guys like, or what do you guys slash gals think about um, the, so when people, I guess, what have been some successful, I guess from both perspectives, let's, let's actually start from the perspective of an ally. If I am a male ally or a, um, a white ally or whatever, and I'm trying to help, um, help a more diverse ecosystem, how should I do that? What do you? What are your thoughts on if I've if I, if I want to help? How should I help? I think step one, just joining the conversation about diversity, is really important. Um, I, I often think that this topic, you know, it, it gets dominated by those groups that are more diverse, and and sort of the white males of the world try not to participate, or they think it doesn't apply to them, but really. It, it actually is, is, is especially applies to them because it's sort of they have more power in this paradigm to be able to turn that around, right? So um, having the majority be involved, I think that's definitely step one. Yeah, I agree with that. Cheryl, do you have things that come to the top of your mind? Um, I think going back to, uh, you know, how like men pull in more men, I'd just be aware, like, as you're looking to, to hire, um, your next team member, uh, it is, you know, like more effort in a way, um, to go outside of your immediate network to look for a more diverse team. But, um, I think we should understand that, that, that has its, um, you know, benefits and, and returns. Um, it does take more effort, but it's worth it. 
Yeah, the long term, like the short term, it's like oh, I'm just gonna hire my friend who I lived with in college. <laughs> yeah, I'll like, get oh. referrals. So uh-huh. you're gonna ask your uh, your friends um, for referrals, and your friends will end up being people like you. So mm-hmm. it does take more effort to go outside of that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think that on the joining the conversation piece, that's been one that I personally have been fascinated by, and I'd love to get your your guys' takes on this. Which is, so I have been a person who's been like. Yay, diversity within tech, within venture capital, within crypto. Um, and something that's interesting is that I essentially get, um, even though I'm into it, I also get excluded from many of the conversations because, like, I'm not part of any women in blockchain telegram groups or Slack groups or whatever. Um, and it was it was a tough thing for me initially because I was like, oh, man, but I want to be part of these things. Um, but also, I think just it makes A... Uh, it makes sense for there to be specific spaces for specific identities. And B, if I'm a person who has been, this is a tough thing to get to get over, but it's this power piece that you were talking about, Wendy, where it's like, I've essentially been told by the world and society and all things up until now, you are a person who deserves power, who needs, like, go get the power, Reese, you know, and like, you deserve it, and here it is in your lap. And all those death by a thousand cuts while on the other side, like if you read Ellen Powell's reset, it's just like day in, day out, the things that you guys experience um, are like, it's not like clear exclusionary, no, you can't join this women in blockchain Slack group, but it's rather just like this long-term unconscious bias, um, you know, death by a thousand cuts thing. Um, So I guess what are your guys' thoughts about for people like me when they try to be an ally and when they try to join the conversation, um, and then they might feel excluded from it, or they might feel like it's hard to push power away from themselves. What are your What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I really respect Reese that that you are you know such an active part of this conversation. I think you know that is that is really important, and then you know it's one of the reasons why you're so awesome for for crypto. Um, <laughs> and then the other, I mean, yeah, it's hard for me to sort of step out of my own position to say what kind of you know, efforts um, should be done and from, from the other side. But the way that I look at it is really, it's not really identity-based, it's kind of cause-based. So I see, you know, women in blockchain groups is not only limited to women. Um, sometimes there'll be things passed around, like, you know, they're looking for a speaker slot at this panel. Um, and, and people have different sort of feelings about how, <laughs> how, how they'd like to be portrayed or not as the token woman on a panel versus just being as represented as a speaker. And I think that's a very nuanced issue that, you know, that people deal with into individually. Um, but, but I think, you know, this type of environment should be cause-based. It should be about diversity and it should be about, it should be like moving forward where, you're all kind of in it together to promote diversity and, and each person has a different kind of role to make a woman with you know, a role to play. It could be a woman that's within the ecosystem, a woman that's out of it. Like we talked about earlier, it could be a man that's in the ecosystem, a man that's out in all sorts of other ways you might define yourself. Um, I don't think the group is, is there to give you an identity. It's there to kind of give you a cause um, and and the people sort of based on how they interpret their own identities can feel like how they how they you know how they feel is best to 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 help this cause. Um, I think I think there are like some I've, I'm seeing some efforts like I think there's uh, like crypto chicks mm-hmm. uh, you know events and um, like Linda uh, she like you mentioned has one on one conversations with 
women interested in crypto, I think men can do that too. Because a lot of these initiatives are started by women, but I think men to be allies, they can initiate them too. Um, but I also want to say that men can be allies in terms of observation. Like if if you're, we, we talked a lot about uh, subconscious biases and unconscious biases. Um, so there, there's probably a spectrum of people who are uh, more aware and less aware of these things. So I, I guess if you are um, um, a person who's more aware of these biases and, and you see something happening, then say something, right? Because most of the time the problem is you notice that, oh, that's not an appropriate thing to do or say. Uh, you just keep quiet and then it, it propagates, right? And that's kind of how Me Too kind of blew out because it, it, it's been happening for decades. It's just that nobody talked about it. Um, and to this point too, um, there's, uh, I wanted to clarify, like, you know, sort of, I've been asked a lot, like, the difference between moving forward and always. Mm -hmm. There's another um, group uh, that where a lot of female VCs came together and started always, which is trying to promote diversity in tech and uh, get more uh, female founders uh, funded, as well as um, increase the number of um, female uh, partners as, as in VC. Um, so that's, there, there are a lot of efforts that you can do to increase diversity and inclusion at your company and uh, and all that. Um, and the I would say the difference that Moving Forward was trying to address was to... Um, like uh, to address the consequences for a in a way a bad behavior. Mm -hmm. So um, while there there are good efforts to be promoted, um, what happened last year with the the Me Too uh, was that uh, nothing was being done to address inappropriate behavior. And whenever there's um, um, this power imbalance and gender imbalance in, in a certain sector, uh, you know, there is room for then harassment or discrimination. And when, and when an inappropriate behavior goes unchecked or unaddressed, then the behavior propagates. So, which is why I think uh, moving forward was, was really uh, started to address, okay, like hold these people accountable. Like there are consequences for bad behavior mm -hmm. and here's where, uh, here's what would happen if, if uh, this bad thing happened. And just to um, really give entrepreneurs the confidence that they will be protected if they ever, um, encountered that issue and so i think um uh we we initiated this for the the, the tech world in general and now we have 104 uh of the the biggest vc firms in the u.s uh joining uh we have uh, a scalar capital is actually the first um um crypto hedge fund mm -hmm. to to join moving forward uh and there's a couple more but uh really we hope that more crypto funds would actually join in as well yeah I think, I mean, so yeah, you have all raise, which is, there's all raise and there's projects include, which I see both of those as kind of these like macro kind of movement building institutions. And then you have moving forward, which is a subs, which is a partner of both of them, essentially. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and as you say there, it's, it's back to these dynamics that you were talking about at the beginning where you have um, professional and social spaces starting to kind of co-mingle in weird ways. And then, uh, especially if like alcohol gets flowing or whatever, it's like, then bad things can happen. And, um, and making sure that, that you, for a given firm that they have, they've thought about it beforehand yeah. and that they have policies that essentially both protect that, that protect everybody in theory that says, Hey, we're actively thinking about this. And when you're in these settings, 
everybody will be abiding by these anti-harassment and anti-discriminatory policies. Um, and as you said, there are uh, it's it started within the tech world, but it's also moving into the crypto hedge. There, I mean, there are I think 200 crypto hedge funds. Uh, this was as of maybe a couple months ago too. Um, and so, if you're a crypto hedge fund out there, um, where 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 do you go, by the way, to movingforward.github.com? Uh, well, the, the the easier one is venturemovingforward.org. Okay, venturemovingforward.org. Okay, yeah. that's that's the easy place. I'll also I'll also rep that at the end. Um, but before we do, I want to I want to ask a um, uh, a philosophical kind of question here, which is, I guess the one other thing that, that I try to do, we'll ask this and then we'll ask one other kind of devil's advocate question. The When you were talking about observation there, Cheryl, I think that um, that is something that I think is very key for men to do as well, for men and um, other traditionally uh, advantaged groups like white folks, um, to think about their um what percentage everybody is talking in the conversation it's been something that i've been trying to be aware of in this conversation i'm not sure how well i've done but um uh is just to say hey in any given conversation how much are the essentially is how much are the dudes dominating it uh and surprisingly often the dudes are dominating the conversation what do you guys think about that as a okay metric or an okay action for people to be aware of uh, in terms of percentage of time people are speaking. Yeah, percentage of time people are speaking. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, again, not gender-specific, right? Yeah. I mean, you may notice that, but it is, it's also the introverted ones that don't speak yeah. up. And, yeah, to be aware. As a leader, you should lead by example, and um, you want to hear as, as many opinions as you can to get perspectives, and the loud, the loud speakers aren't always the right ones, right? Yeah. So to your point, I think that is a great uh, way to, like, you know, culturally set a good culture for your organization. I like that. I think that that I'm just right now reading Quiet, which is a book about introverts and how they can yes. still do stuff in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Excitement from Wendy. from Wendy. Wendy, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Uh, I think I used to be, and then I trained myself to be an ambivert. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I have been hyper extroverted for most of my life, but I'm kind of becoming more introverted. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I think people do that as they get older. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another one talking about the, I think that like, yeah, the intersectionality of identity, it's like, that is one that is crucial. And especially in the business yeah. world where it's taught that extroversion is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But, and just, just one point on that. I think there's a lot within sort of the investor entrepreneur relationship where the investor sort of expects the entrepreneur to come to where he or she is, mostly he. Um, and I think there's a lot more that needs to be done to go to the speaker where he, to meet them where he or she is, to, to understand sort of what what context you know they grew up in, what drives the way that they think. And that that's sort of the, the best way to objectively interpret a message um, rather than expecting kind of everyone to speak yours. I, I, that sounds kind of like you know the the golden rule, um, but but I I do think that that's something that's very easy for for people to implement today. So if this person sounds ridiculous, um, you know at first scale, what at first glance, you know assuming that everyone is rational, like what really led them to you know their thought processes to where they are today? Maybe they are more of an abstract big picture thinker. Maybe they're more of like a detailed analytical thinker. And then how do you interpret that message um, and, and make it useful for you? I think as a crypto leader and an entrepreneur, um, 
to your point, Cheryl, it's, it's like they have to be able to even to lead even more by example rather than by dictatorship, because this whole you know thing about building community and and growing a protocol it is it's very it's a very decentralized style of leadership that we really haven't seen in traditional tech. And so, about you know, it, it's I think being able to leverage. Um, your your interpretation of others based on where they are it is a really important skill for leaders to hone in on for for you know, this paradigm of tech. Yeah, and it's kind of like new power versus old power, right? Like new yeah. power leverages the masses, and if you want your protocol to be adopted by the masses, then you need to learn how to lead. Like I don't know what twenty thousand, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people from like like far, and and kind of like how do you do that and yeah, I think uh, leaders in the crypto space have to um, evolve to to meet that. And I think I think it's both leaders. There's the entrepreneurs in the crypto space, and also what I heard you saying, Wendy, was if you're a venture capitalist who is listening to an entrepreneur and like, oh, should I fund this person? And it's like, oh, they're not being a classic Sand Hill Road confident entrepreneur or whatever. It's like, oh, then I say yeah. no to them. And it's like you gotta you gotta both change your paradigm because it's more in alignment with the crypto world. And um, my one of my favorite Khalil Gibran quotes is between what is meant, what is said, and what is heard, all love is lost. Um, yep. And so it's like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm meaning to say something, but I accidentally said this other thing. And then you, on the, the listener, you're projecting yourself onto the world. And you're you're hearing something different, and we actually are not even talking about the same thing, even though we think we're having a conversation. So um, yeah, I think that happens often. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, so to transition maybe into our final bit, bit here, um, I think that. Uh, some people that might be listening might be like, oh man, these people are like, they're, they're, they're diversity maximalists or whatever. Um, and I think that the, I don't think any of us are diversity maximalists. Um, all of us are looking at the world and having, we're all having a relationship with identity as a thing. We shouldn't just purely think about the world. We should think about who is operating in the world and the identities of the people operating in the world. Um, but to just provide a little bit more texture around identity and maybe to provide a little bit of devil's advocate stuff um i hear people sometimes i'll I'll come up with a random devil's advocate thing um and then hear what you guys think about it um so what do you think about when people say like hey um we can't concentrate on like hiring diverse folks right now um because we we don't either have time for it and they're not there and they're they're worse or whatever what 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 is like um a possible response to that well i think like before sorry um sorry just real quick like like i said before um it, it does take more effort and time but then um time and time again like research and like a lot of um uh, studies have shown that if you do put in the effort and you have a diverse team, you do reap the rewards in terms of more profit, more um, uh, more revenues and, and things like that. And you become a better leader as well. So it does take more time, but uh, you know that you, you, you do have to put in the work to get the best results. Yep. Wendy, what were your thoughts? Um, I'm sorry for, for intersecting you there, Cheryl. <laughs> uh, it's um, yeah. I think every every action you take in this world is a, is a choice. So when you're not choosing one, you're choosing the other. 
Um, and, and some choices are harder to make than others and, and require sort of you to overcome more friction. But, you know, I think every, every choice is deliberate. And, and, and that is because um, there are already so many other forces working in, in, you know, the world. I think people want to be able to say, if I'm blind to identity or gender or you know, race or, or socioeconomic class, et cetera, then everyone should be and we can all operate like we're all equal. But in, in you know, that sounds kind of great idealistically, but in, in practice, that's not how the world works. You know, the world was built based on a context, you know, built in thousands of years of accumulated bias and, and decisions of others. And, and even when you think you're being completely unbiased, that's probably the most dangerous because you are always inherently biased. And so then if you, if you leave them unchecked by basically, you know, saying I'm not biased, I will never be, you are leaving your bias unchecked and that makes them even more powerful to sort of act on, um, act to, to sort of, you know, rule your actions in, in an unchecked way. And so I think people need to be more careful about the actions that they take, um, and, and be aware of sort of the context in which they're operating. And we didn't all just sort of arise from the ground of like a primordial soup with no one around. The world was built by people, accumulated you know, knowledge and, and decisions. And, you know, these sort of subconscious choices have, have built the structures that will continue to function the same way that they do today if we don't do anything to change them. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, it's similar to... Um, it's like you can't just expect to for climate change to go away unless you're intentional about it. And you can't just expect various parts of uh, diverse realities to just, like, yeah, the past has, has inertia. Yeah. Um, and I also yeah, think exactly. um, the, I think that the key thing is it's not like it's not like you need to go in and say, oh, man, we need to fire all of our, like, rich white American dudes and hire a bunch of um, – but you can just – as long as you're being deliberate and intentional about it, that the word used there was, I think, deliberate, it's like, that is key. You know, that's huge step one. And once you're doing that, maybe you don't hire a woman next time, or maybe you're not following more women on Twitter, but at least you're actively checking yourself against it. Um, so I super agree with that, Wendy. And then for you, Cheryl, the, I, you talk about changing results, which is true. Um, the, you talked about a venture capital study. I heard a hedge fund study that was similar. Um, and it also reminds me of this great book called An Everyone Culture, which is about these developmentally driven organizations. Um, there's one Bridgewater, which is run by Ray Dalio, who is, it's one of these organizations and it's really well known for like everybody being hyper transparent and for really pushing time and energy into making sure their employees can learn. And uh, initially everybody has the initial response was like, oh, we don't have time to make our employees learn or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 it, it will, the results will be massive in the end if you put in this like learning culture into your um, into your organization and then you'll reap the rewards later on but people have that initial kind of response like ah we can't do it yet um, okay so um, with that are there uh, before we wrap up any final thoughts from either of you well, just it just made me think like it's so interesting that we're, we're now like pushing people to be more cautious about like uh, diversity and gender uh, balance and all that but I remember when I was an entrepreneur and uh, pitching you know for funding in 2000 and like 10 and 11 I specifically like did not even 
um, the issue of my own gender didn't even come up. Like, I wasn't thinking in my head, I'm a female entrepreneur. Like, my gender doesn't precede my occupation. I'm just an entrepreneur. Mm. Just be, be, be yourself and be good at what you do and, um, you know, prove yourself by doing and not saying. Um, I mean, of course, their, their concerted effort has to come about from the leaders in the space. But from the, the entrepreneurs, I think, uh, just kind of present your best self. Yeah, 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 I like that. Uh, Wendy, any final thoughts from you? You don't have to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think I've already sued most of my thoughts um, earlier, but I think you know it's a great topic that you're bringing to the forefront of attention, recent and Gerald work that you've done in the sector. Also, just really, really inspiring. I loved your blog post. I was, I remember being just like personally incredibly saddened when that was all happening and in trying to figure out how to deal with you know some of the repercussions of, of what you know what has been sort of not acknowledged for so long and so I'm glad we're talking about it I think you know this really yeah yeah and, and, and about how we can change rather than sort of you know what's kind of wrong with the system and, and you know how it's broken and so you know with with crypto in particular I, I just want to re-emphasize that this is an incredible opportunity for us to be able to rebuild a lot of these things from scratch to design token economics um, and incentives to get different people to come into the ecosystem. Make sure those incentives are designed by the people that you also want to attract um, that are like them in the future. Because if you cut out women or if you cut out you know, any ethnicity, it, it's to the detriment of the community because the, the idea is you want this you know, holding base of your token in, in the long run to grow as, as you know, large as possible. And so um, I think everyone's sort of incentive is aligned to make it work, but but getting the details right is you know definitely the hard part. Yep. Yeah. It's always in the details. Um, so, Wendy, what's your uh, just so if people want to search you up on uh, Twitter, what's your Twitter profile? Yeah, my Twitter is w e n underscore x s. Um, w e n underscore x s, and if you are a uh, a entrepreneur looking for someone to help with um, to on the on the crypto side, definitely check out Wendy and or North Zone VC. Um, and then Cheryl, what is what is your Twitter profile? It's at Cheryl Yeo, C H uh, E R Y L Y E O H. Um, yeah. And then moving forward, hey, so if you're a if you're a hedge, I know that there are some there will be some crypto hedge fund friends who are listening to this, and so if you're a crypto hedge fund person, at least check out and go to venturemovingforward.org. Yes. Nice, I remembered it. Um, cool. Well, thank you again so much, um, Wendy and Cheryl. This has been a fun conversation for me, um, and we will move forth and be optimistic, hopefully, still about the future of diversity uh, in tech and diversity within venture capital and diversity within crypto. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having us again. Thank you for having us. Sweet. Hello, Wendy. <laughs> Wendy, we can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs>